Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. I'm Dr. Sonny Spira and I'm still filling in for Drew Burns. And today we have a special guest. Uh, I don't know if any of you have listened to the Gordon Christensen podcast that we did, but he specifically mentioned the Private Dentist Alliance and where it is an asset to our community. And the founder is Dr. Greg Winteregg. And Dr. Greg is our guest today. So let me give you a little background first, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, he's founder and CEO of Private Dentist Alliance. His purpose is to help private practicing dentists not just survive, but to expand and flourish and prosper to preserve this business model in dentistry. Sounds like a good idea, folks. Um, private practice from 1981 to 1993, private practicing dentists grew his practice to the top 4% in the Midwest. He semi-retired, and that's an interesting concept, at the age of 38 in a farm town, 10,000 with 11 dentists, and has never participated in reduced fee plans. From 1993 to present, MGE is a dental practice, practice management training company. It teaches dentists how to run their practice like a business in areas of marketing, sales, and management. And... Today, the Private Dentist Alliance founder and CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance, which is a nonprofit designed to align strategic partner vendors with members to help private practitioners flourish. Currently, 308 members. The cost is free. I don't know if you can handle that. Let's say that one more time. The cost is free. And Dr. Gordon Chris is on the advisory board. Greg, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Sonny. I really appreciate your time and thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Greg and I have had a chance to talk. He actually had me as a guest um, when I reached out to him after after interviewing Gordon and actually being out at his um, his one of his classes, but more was the interview. I said, I got to follow up and find out what this is all about. And it was a very, uh, very good conversation. And he had me on a show with a future dental entrepreneur dentist, young dentist, and 
he was asking me questions about multiple practices and I told him, don't go there. It's crazy. And he's exactly the opposite. I want to do that. And, and he has a, a fire lit. So this, you keep your eye out for this young guy. He's uh, he's going to set the world on fire, but anyway, that was a great experience. So Greg, let's start a little bit. Let's just start a little bit. I like to go through background and give people color in the, the, the just talk a little bit about dentistry and you know you you were in the 80s and i'm sure everybody now is going to say well geez that was the golden age and everybody in the 80s says 70s was the golden age and you know there's all golden ages but talk about what it was like graduating where did you go to dental school first of all i went to indiana graduated okay. in 81 when you were before and during your, your your dental education were you ever interested in any specialty programs what kind of lit your fire there well you know um I was really never interested in specializing. Um, I really always had the idea I was going to go to a small town. I was raised in a little Indiana town of 3,000. Uh, Winter Egg, by the way, is Swiss, and I was raised in Bern, Indiana, a little Swiss community of 3,000 people founded by uh, people who left Switzerland in 1850. And um, I'm kind of a small town guy and uh, just wanted to be a small town general dentist. That's my wheelhouse. So that's, that's right. That's right. Where I, that's right. Where I like to be. So in dental school, you, you, you just absorbed the whole process. Did you do a residency? Did you go into an associate? What was your experience going into practice? What'd you do? Well, I think it's significant. Um, when I was raised, I was raised in a family restaurant in this little town of 3000. My dad and my uncle uh, started that restaurant a month after I was born. And so I was raised in an entrepreneurial environment and um, Nervous. I liked it. And uh, my dad would come up with different ideas, different specials. He taught me how to price things so uh, the restaurant could stay open and make a profit. And I think every community has the restaurant that's something new every six months. It, you know, it goes from Greek to Tex-Mex to barbecue or whatever. Well, this little restaurant in town of 3000 put my brother and myself and my cousins through college. And uh, my dad passed away in 99 and my uncle pulled my brother and me over to the side and said, just so you know, without your dad, there would have been no restaurant. And so I kind of had that idea in my mind. I was not going to associate. I'm not going to do a residency. I'm not going to do anything specializing or anything that prevents me from just opening my own practice. So I had um, my practice, I purchased a practice from a retiring dentist. Now this is crazy. Th this number sounds even crazy back then. Uh, $10,000 is what I paid for the practice. And I had that deal done on the Friday after Thanksgiving of my fourth year. And so I put $2,500 down, which was every penny I had at that time Yeah. for the purchase of that practice. And I still had to pass the board. That was a stressful five days. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, I just went for it. And um, no better investment than investing in yourself. I, I don't right. care what anybody says. So, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, the <clears throat> the thing is that transferring uh, from the restaurant business to a dental practice, uh, there was there wasn't a lot that transferred. So I I worked with different consultants. You mentioned MGE. I became a client there in '92, 
And what's interesting is no one came to my practice thereafter. In, in the 80s, I had six consultants and $60,000 worth of consulting, which that was a lot of money back then. I don't know what that would price out today. Um, but when I went to it's just training, marketing training, sales training, organization training, hiring, managing by statistics. It's just business training and nobody came to my office. But, and in 93, there was a recession. Uh, Clinton had taken over for, from George Bush the first. Mm-hmm. And the, it, the deck was stacked against me in this little town of 10,000, the strip mall. We lost our anchor store. Uh, once the grocery store left, we lost the bookstore, the bridal store, the five and dime. So there's me on a public laundromat, 100,000 square feet empty. I mean, it was just terrible. The practice is crashing. And I learned how to promote. I started a direct mail campaign. I learned how to talk to the patients and help them accept the dentistry that they needed, not just what the insurance company allowed. Uh, We started to expand rapidly. Within five months, I needed an associate. Um, And and honestly, in the spring of 93, I wasn't so, or excuse me, the spring of 92, I wasn't so certain that I wasn't going to have to associate with somebody because the numbers were crashing, the dead strip mall, et cetera. But I think this, this is very pertinent to our topic today. When things were awful, I was considering laying off half the staff, going from four days a week to three, and driving to South Bend to associate with somebody who was a quote-unquote better businessman. I had three PPO plans on my desk in front of me, and I put the fee schedules beside beside each other, and I don't remember who the companies were. don't even know if they're still around. The future of -of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. But one thing I remember very clearly is at the time I was getting $35 for a a cleaning, an 0110, and I was paying my hygienist $21 to do it, and all three plans were going to give me $15. And I just sat there and I, because it's the wave, you know, the, the, the drumbeat had already started. Oh, PPOs are the future. You're, everybody's going to be participating someday. Get in now while you can. I mean, yeah. You better get in now or else, or else. Yeah. You know, they're going right. to close the group and you're going to be left to hung out to dry. And so all of that drumbeat was going on in the early nineties. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm going to have to, but when I looked at the fee schedule, Sonny, I couldn't do it. I, I, <laughs> I, I laughed out loud and I said it out loud, sitting at the desk of my office. Why does anybody do this? Why would I do this? And the thought went through my mind. If I did this and signed up for it and my dad found out, he'd take me behind the woodshed. And shoot you. Like, Son, did I teach you nothing? You can't lose money. And stay in business and that's what he taught me that's what he taught me in the restaurant business and so i decided at that moment that i was better off associating with somebody else and laying off the staff and just keeping my fee for service practice and limp along but then when i learned how to promote and bring in patients that wanted to keep their teeth and i learned how to just sit down and personally i had to change i had to forget about insurance 
I used to say, I'm going to help you, Sonny, maximize your insurance. I, I just quit saying that. I started saying, Sonny, I'm going to help you keep your teeth. Now, major question for you, Sonny. Do you want to keep your teeth? And you know, when I started asking people that, Sonny, I didn't think half the people would say yes. I'm telling you, three-fourths of the people said yes. Well, yeah, I want to keep my teeth. Now, sometimes they would say, I want to keep my teeth, just the front ones. But then that was my job to convince them that the back ones were just as important as, as the front ones. And so I slowed it down. I quit listening to all the pundits. Doctors don't talk money. Doctors, you know, don't sit there and, and make payment arrangements. Uh, doctors just talk teeth. I forgot. I just ignored all of that. And what went through my mind is, well, what would somebody have thought of my dad if they'd have walked into the restaurant and they're checking out for their coffee and their hamburger and they say, how much do I owe you? And he said, well, you know, I'm not quite sure. I got that 16 year old answering the phone over there. Uh, Won't you go ask her? Uh, that's ridiculous. And so what I just started doing is just running it like a business. I just, I just quit thinking with bad business advice. Like, you know, in my day, and I forget you graduated what mid eighties. Yeah, 80, 89 from dental school. All right, so I don't know what the, the mantra was on promotion and marketing when you graduated, but when I graduated, the mantra was the dentist that advertises is just advertising he's not a good dentist because a good dentist doesn't have to advertise. Mm -hmm. And there was one society, which I'll leave unnamed, there was one society of the 13 chapters of the Indiana Dental Association that would dismiss you from the, the society if they found out that you were promoted. And that's how antiquated it was in the early 80s. So mm -hmm. uh, I was up against that. It was not my society that was going to throw me out, but I started marketing. And uh, it's really interesting. I got a call from the wife of one of the dentists in town, and I did not send my flyer. I took the dentist off, but then I know that their cousins and aunts and uncles were getting it. And she was very upset with me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm having a hard time paying my bills right now. So unless you're going to help me with my mortgage, um, this is what I'm going to do. And uh, that that's kind of the foundation for me going forward is I just started running like a business. And once I did that, Sonny, the practice exploded. Within five months, I had to get an associate. In a town of 10,000 with 11 dentists in a dead strip mall, I had 2,000 promotional, uh, 2,000 direct mail pieces going out to get this 10,000 homes in the county. That's all there were on the mailing list, 10,000 homes in the county that made more than 25,000 a year annual household income. And the practice exploded. I went from five or 10 new patients a month to 50 in five months. Patients started saying yes, instead of only doing what the insurance covers. And I just got completely swamped and had to bring on an associate within five months. And I organized the place, trained an office manager, uh, started shedding different responsibilities that I thought I was the only one that could do. And um, within, a, within a year, I was semi-retired. I was working 22 hours a week at age 38, making more money, by the way, making more money take home than when I was working 40 hours a week and struggling. So you went from, you know, to summarize it, you went from, I'm going to close, shut down and, and, and kind of fade away to I'm thriving in exactly. five months. Yeah. And, and I was, I started looking for another location 
And mm -hmm. this is also this is also very poignant and pertinent to the story, um, because the the training program I did did cost money, and I did not have the money for it. I had to borrow the money from the bank to do the training program. I won't get into numbers. It was a significant sum for me at the time. And I went to the banker who I'd known for years, had a, had an equipment loan with him, and uh, told him what I wanted to do. And so he he loaned me the money. He said, but just so you know, you know, we've got a recession going on. I don't know if this is the right time to be doing this. Are you going to be able to make the payment, et cetera? So I, I said, you can trust me. I'll make the payment. So that was in April of 92. And then most banks I know, if you have a loan, you have to send them your profit and loss statement every year. Mm -hmm. So the P&L. Mm -hmm. In January or February of 93, and the banker called my office, and the office manager comes and says, uh, Glenn from the bank is on the phone. And I'm like, um, did we bounce a check? Yeah. <laughs> so I get on the phone with Glenn, and he's like, uh, hey, Glenn, everything okay? He goes, yeah, I got your loss statement here. I'm like, yes, yeah, everything all right? He said, you had a really good year last year. I'm like, yeah, it's really cool, huh? Because because we basically doubled. And he's like, um, how did you do? I said, remember that loan you gave me? I went and got that business training. And so that's what I'm doing. He said, well, can I come over and take a look at your office? I'm like, sure. Why? He said, Greg, we're in a recession. People are happy to just do it well in 92 as they did in 91. And you doubled? He's like, as I tell you, you had the fastest growing business in Marshall County. And <laughs> Sonny, how many times has a banker said that to a dentist? Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, right. <laughs> you know. So anyway, the, the proof is in the pudding. Um, I don't want anybody to think that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. <laughs> I worked for everything I got. I mm -hmm. ground it out. Um, you know, there were good times and bad times, but I can tell you that learning how to run a business is the most valuable training you can get. And that does not invalidate, you know, dental clinical continuing education. Mm -hmm. Obviously doesn't invalidate yeah. that, but, but, you know, I spoke to a dentist once who had done a particular very extensive restorative program at $30,000 three times. And um, he was doing 15,000 a month. And it was not his clinical skill that was hurting him. Mm -hmm. He didn't know how to market. He didn't know how to sell dentistry. He didn't know how to organize and manage. Mm -hmm. So that is really the foundation of it. And you and I talked about this before you hit record. I am not against the DSOs. I'm not against the PPOs. I never participated because of the what I've just described to you, the story and my background and my mm -hmm. history in the restaurant. But the, the bottom line is, and I spoke to a, a non-dentist who was a principal at a DSO, and he looked at me and said, Greg, here's the truth. The DSO does nothing for the private practitioner that they can't do for themselves. This is from a partner at a DSO. And that is the absolute truth. And I'm walking living testimony to that. You are, I know you promote, you've got what now, five locations, right? Yes. 
Yeah. So you guys, you have to take responsibility for promotion. You have to take responsibility for sales, case acceptance, if you want to be politically correct, but selling the case and you have to monitor your numbers. You have metrics and key performance indicators that you're looking at and you meet with your partners on a regular basis. You have to think like a business owner. And for me, the cheese in the trap, anybody who comes along and, and you know myself included, the consultant comes along and says, listen, doctor, don't worry about the front office. I'm just going to take care of all the training up there. Don't you worry about it. And I'm like, okay, great. I just want to be the dentist. Well, that was my attitude through the 80s with six different consulting companies and $60,000 worth of consulting and going broke in the spring of 92. So once I took responsibility for everything, the marketing, the sales, the, the pricing, staff meetings, hiring, firing, and I got over this idea that, wow, if I just had somebody to run the front office so I could be the dentist, I, I would be happy, which was my attitude during the 80s, then once that changed, then everything changed. And I, I agree with the partner at the DSO that there isn't anything or the PPO for that matter can do for the private practitioner that they can't house. Yep. Yeah. We talked about that um, before we, we got on it, you know, and I, and I, and I said to you, you know, is that the, the, these companies wouldn't exist without your license. That's right. Um, they would, there'd be no such thing as any of them if they didn't have dentist licenses that are willing to do whatever they're told, you know? So, so let's get into it. our topic today is going to be four steps to reducing, eliminating dependence, reducing or eliminating dependence on PPOs. And we're starting to, to touch on a little bit. Well, why don't, why don't we start, uh, let's start right from uh, square one. So what's, what's, what's your number one? Well, here's, here's what I had to realize because I never participated for, um, it's hard to believe, Sonny, man, I graduated 40 years ago. I, I just turned 66 and my mantra now is 66 is a new 38. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm still in high gear. I drive a Corvette. Um, and so I had to, what I realized during the shutdown, when I'm, you know, stuck in my house like the rest of the world, uh, I can say don't participate, but then if 80% or 90% or whatever that percentage is, is participating, I'm not helping anyone, number one, and I'm just alienating my audience. So then one morning I woke up, I'm like, okay, what if I was, what if I was participating? What if I am having a hard time? What would I do? The very, and, and these are the four things that I sat down and I wrote out my strategic plan in about 20 minutes. The very first thing I would do is I would hammer on reactivation. And I, the, the challenge in dentistry is that <clears throat> We have openings in the schedule, let's say the hygiene schedule, and we want the hygienist to go make some phone calls. All right, so that works for a day or two. But personally, I had experienced 25 new patients a month before the strip mall shut down, 25 new patients a month for five years. That's 300 patients a year for five years. That's 1,500 new patients into the practice. And I had one hygienist three days a week and one hygienist two for five years. And I kept asking my staff, 
why can't we not add a day of hygiene? We put 15, you know, well, we weren't reactivating number one. And number two, we weren't selling, we weren't selling the value of maintenance. Mm -hmm. And once I started a heavy reactivation program with letters, and I'm talking 92, we did not have cell phones and text messages and internet emails. I'm talking about picking up the phone and calling, writing letters to the patients. We started a heavy reactivation campaign and a heavy sales program to just tell the patient that they need to come back in six months. And Sonny, I got to the point where if I'm doing a crown on you, <clears throat> excuse me, if I'm doing a crown on you, I'm, I'm going to say, Sonny, uh, I'm going to do this crown. It's going to last you a long time. But I'm not going to do it if you don't agree to come back every six months and let me check it. And I would get into this whole story about the practice that I bought. It was a crown and bridge practice. I'm looking at dentistry that's 30, 35 years old. It still looks wonderful. But I'm also looking at that dentistry that falls out in five years because the patient never comes back. And I get into this whole sales pitch. I started adding one day of hygiene every six months. So number one step to reducing or eliminating dependence on reduced fee plans is reactivate the existing patients. Yes, you're going to call people and they're going to say, quit bothering me. Yes, they're going to say, quit sending me letters. Okay, great. So then take them off the list, but don't stop calling the list. So number one, you have to reactivate your patient base. Number two, if you're in, you got to renegotiate. There are companies out there that will renegotiate your PTO fees. And when we get to the end, I'm going to tell everybody where they can find vendors that will help them with this because I've got the vendors lined up. They're already vetted and ready to go. But number two is you have to renegotiate your PTO fees. You can do it yourself, but it is a real spider's web of a mess the way all of these companies network together you're participating in stuff you don't even know you're participating in with backroom backdoor deals but number two is renegotiate your fees i suggest you hire a professional company who knows what they're doing number three you got to promote you do have to do your own promotion and of course there's your website search engine optimization, pay-per-click, Facebook, all of that. But I'm here to tell you, man, I still think direct mail is the way to go. I built, I boomed my practice on direct mail. And I, lo I look at the mail that comes to my house now. There's no direct mail. I, I don't get postcards. I get one or two postcards a week from like a realtor. You know, I moved into a new home three years ago and never got the first postcard from a dentist. Not the first postcard. And I, I moved outside my zip code. I moved 15 miles away. I'm a new mover. Never got the first postcard from a dentist. So my view on postcards, direct mail, is you send out 10,000 of those, 10,000 eyeballs saw it, or 20,000 eyeballs, I guess. 10,000 people saw the card. Now, if the card's bad, it doesn't have an offer of some kind, and it doesn't hit them where they live with some sort of a hot button, all right, then you're going to get no phone calls. But I'd say even bad direct mail is going to work because you can't say that about Facebook ads. You, you, well, we get that many impressions. Well, that's how many people scrolled past it. It's not how many people you actually impressed. So for me, I advise all my clients, I advise everybody in the, the private dentist alliance, you should do 
print media because it goes to a home and somebody has to look at it to throw it away. And I personally experienced people bringing in direct mail cards with an offer on it a year after it was sent out because I had a code on it. So the third step for me is you got to promote, do something. I'm still partial to direct mail. I made it work. I boomed my practice. By the way, I went from five or 10 new patients a month. In 12 months, I got 88 new patients in a month in a town of 10,000 with 11 dentists in a dead strip mall during a recession. So I am walking, living, breathing testimony. And it, at that time, you know, direct mail was a thing. It was the only thing. All right, then step four is a membership program. You have to have some sort of a membership program. And quite honestly, Sonny, I listened during COVID. I didn't know much at all. A few of my clients had a membership program. They were saying they like it. I'll tell you where I got fired up about membership program is just listening to you and Drew on the fee-for-service podcast. <laughs> and you guys got people on it like, whoa, you know, 80% of our revenue comes from our members and mm -hmm. it's how it works. And so I, I don't know how many hours of those podcasts I listen to the fee-for-service podcast, this podcast. I'm like, oh, that's smart. If I was in if I was in business, if I had a practice, I would do that. And so one morning in 20 minutes uh, during the lockdown, I laid out my strategic plan. If I was in, how would I get out? And I have clients now who are still in one or two or three programs. Um, they figured out that that works for them. Personally, I think dentistry is too hard to do to reduce your fee. It's too hard on your back. It's too hard on your body. It's it's a stressful environment with, you know, 400,000 RPM burr running within millimeters of tongues and cheeks. And um, I think the fee-for-service dentist is getting compensated uh, whatever he thinks he's worth, whatever his prices are worth. Uh, I would get the National Dental Fee Survey, and I made sure that my restorative fees were in the 85th percentile or above. And I kept my profi and pediatric fees in the 65th percentile. That was just my model. And because uh, when somebody calls up and says, how much for a cleaning? Um, I'm going to compete with everybody else. And it was rare the shopper would come in and uh, leave because the guy next door was 25% cheaper. That was rare. So that, that's what I would do. And that's my message now, and that's my mantra. And I've got a whole PowerPoint presentation put together on this, the four steps of reducing or eliminating dependence on insurance. And um, I've got, I know a lot of people like you mm -hmm. who are participating. You never participated. <clears throat> you and I are a bit of rare birds, uh, but I know a lot of people. I'll tell you, you follow the strategy that I just laid out. You can be out of all these reduced fee plans in 12 to 24 months because mm -hmm. you just start as the practice expands and you get busier than hire an associate or drop a plan. I wasn't in any plans to drop. That's why I hired an associate. But as the practice is getting busier and you're now booked two, three, four weeks in advance, you need to get out of a plan. I'll ask anybody listening right now, Right now, if I say, how long does it take to get a new patient into your practice? And you say four weeks. 
And then the next question is, are you participating in any plans? And that doctor says, yes, then I'm gonna say, why? You're already so busy that you can't get a new patient in for four weeks. Why are you reducing your fees? Why are you participating in something? And my answer to that, I don't know if the doctor would answer this, but I think the, the true answer to that why is because of fear. I'm afraid that if I get out, then I'll lose all those patients. And then I'm afraid I won't be able to pay my bills. But wait a minute, you just said you're booked four weeks in advance. At least drop the plan that has 200 patients and you're only seeing 30 or 40 of them every year anyway. So drop that one and you'll feel better. And then, you know, next month, next quarter, drop the next one, drop the next one. And <clears throat> there's uh, a member of the Private Dentist Alliance, actually two members, Dr. Kanzi and Dr. Grazioso in Boston, a general dentist and a pediatrician. Yeah, yeah we've know? had them on the live show. Yeah, Christine. And there Jim. we go. Yeah. Are they not amazing? Yeah, amazing. During COVID, drop Delta. I love that brassiness, you know, that just is like, you know what? I'm just tired of losing money. And when I go back, I'm just not going to lose money anymore. I love that. Those two ladies are amazing, but also for me, they are the exact formula. If you want to be, you know, careful and do it methodically. And they did have their plan. It wasn't as, you know, wake up one morning and I'm dropping Delta. They had planned it out. I'm sure they went over this on the podcast, but I'm just saying they were just done and I'm just done. I'm just done. I, I just think dentistry is too hard to be giving it away. And how in the world can you be giving it away when you sit there and say, well, I can't get a new patient in for two or three or four weeks. A new patient needs to be gotten in within 24 to 48 hours. You know that. You know, what's funny is uh, there's two things I think of a uh, couple of people that are good friends of mine that have been on the podcast as well. And one of them is Chris Griffin. And Chris has a mega practice in, in, in uh, Mississippi. And he, as, as he adds a hundred new people to his membership plans, he drops his next insurance plan. So he's, he's dropped a bunch. He's, he's now down to just a, a smitten of them and he's looking forward to getting out of them all. But it's a very clear plan. So, and then the that. other person is Josh Bernstein, who says uh, in his story, he got a notification from an insurance company. I think it was Delta. I, I, can't, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was, who was a major part of his practice that was lowering their fees. And then he got a notice and he just said, That's it. Come January, I'm out. And he made a decision and he, he jumped in. He was fully committed. And he said, What he failed to do, and you're your number three point is he failed to market. Mm. He failed to have his marketing ahead of his plan. So what happened in his downtime is he also learned to improve his systems internally. So I would imagine reactivation, you know, but he, he worked on that, you know, by accident. So his advice is get your marketing plan in place first. Mm. Then you know, proceed and, and, but you have to commit to it. You know, you have to burn your boats, you, you know, to me, you can't, you, you, and I, I find it hard to play the game of you're a little bit pregnant. I had a hard time being, I'm partially in with these plans and I mostly fee for, how, how do you, how do you, in a small community like yourself, if you have a patient sitting in chair one 
and it's $150 for that filling and the patient in chair two, it's $100 for that filling and their neighbors and, and the patient says, how come I'm paying 150 and my buddy's paying 100? What do you say? I'm using yeah, different material. You know, that's a, that's, that's a question. That's an ethical question now. So, so I, it just becomes harder and harder to, to I think, to, to do that. You're either in or you're out sort of thing. So I, so agree. I, I appreciate it. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about the, uh, the Private Dentist Alliance before we wrap up. Right. So uh, quick story. Um, we had uh, Gordon as keynote speaker at MGE at our, our annual owners conference where we bring in the top clients. And mm -hmm. this is uh, spring of 2018. And um, I had many of our clients who were concerned about DSOs and the, the tidal wave that's kind of building there, or the apparent tidal wave anyway. And um, I had a meeting with 15 of the top clients the night before I had breakfast with Gordon uh, before I introduced him. And um, we decided that night that we were gonna start a nonprofit called the Private Dentist Alliance. And actually, it was a private dentist association mm -hmm. that later evolved it to alliance. And um, I had breakfast with Gordon the next morning and told him what we wanted to do. And um, he was all in. He's like, you know what? Uh, somebody needs to do something. And I said, well, I guess that somebody's going to be me. And so uh, I used his attorneys to uh, incorporate the nonprofit that summer. And I got uh, 100 MGE clients to come on board and give me some seed money to get it going. And <clears throat> what's interesting, I won't get into the entire story, but during COVID, we were up to 152 paid members, but then we start losing paid members because nobody's open. And so what I did during COVID, uh, it was a business decision, is I made membership free. And uh, since the shutdown, we've gone from 152 members to 308. I've got about 50 students uh, as members and um, basically, you know what, go ahead. What's interesting about the students is students are getting bombarded with insurance companies and DSOs and yeah. corporate dentistry. They're, you know, they're filling the pages of their, their, their student handbooks, they're filling, Yep. Uh, you know, they're getting names put on buildings, et cetera, et cetera. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's a conflict of interest, but that's, that's another conversation, but that's another podcast. <laughs> they're, they're ab you. absolutely infiltrating because that's, that's their workforce. Right. And if they can, they can get you to, you know, if they can get you to tattoo Delta or tattoo Aetna or tattoo Cigna on your forehead, they got you and they own you. And you're not going to know that there's even another option out there and because you've been brainwashed. You know, you've drank yeah. the Kool-Aid and you, you, you've been, you know, you, you've been, uh, you know, just flooded with this. And uh, I think it's, it's not proper that that should be what happens, you know, but it's, you know, money talks, right. And that's what's happening. So well, and the fact that you have dentists, dental students in already is key. And I think that's a huge, huge step. Thank you. And uh, you mentioned, uh, I have a dental student <clears throat> who uh, <laughs> did this interview with you and I. Uh, his name is Cole Herzik. He's He just became a D3 
at LeeCom in Bradenton, Florida. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he's definitely not your typical dental student. And um, I should started, have him on. He started Dental Student Vibes podcast when he was a D1, yeah. you know, with some of his friends. And I don't want to get too far off into the weeds here, but this is important to our cause is um, I was asked to by Nova to do uh, a presentation when they came back virtual in July. And I know some people there at the school who teach now. And yeah. um, so I, a podcast or a, a webinar and everybody had to be on the webinar. I forget if these were D3 or D4s, but the students had to attend because there were gonna be questions from my lecture that were gonna be on their test. Yeah, yeah. On the call and I went, the whole thing was you got to be able uh, private practice. Private practice is a great way to go. Reducing your fees. I had some formulas and calculations. Um, you have to be able to market. You got to be able to sell. Got to be able to do the dentistry. Got to be able to manage. Went through this this whole formula. And at the Private Dentist Alliance, we now have a service called Dentist Match for members. So our members can use our our brand as the private dentist alliance to promote in their area to find kids. and so you're a d3 you're a d4 you're looking for an associateship in a private practice upon graduation come to the private dentist alliance i've got 25 members right now fee for service practices and i did a whole pitch right hey am i, I on there Am I on What's there? That? Is my ad on there? Am I looking? Is your ad on there? We need to get your ad on there. Yeah, we're so looking. Yeah. To make it easy, it's mm -hmm. not like, you know, go to www. On the screen, I had a QR code, which would take them to the PDA website. They can join for free. I had 128 students, and I made the whole pitch for an hour about private practice. And if you want to participate and associate in a private practice upon graduation, Become a free member today. Out of 128, how many did I get? 90. 14. Oh, I'm way off. 14. And I was expecting 90. Yeah. And you know what? I had a conversation with Cole, who's in the dental environment right now. I'm like, Cole, how is this possible? I should have at least got half. He goes, Dr. Winterick. And he just said exactly what you said. We get shrimp cocktail at five-star restaurants with an open bar and a filet mignon that follows, you know? So it's yeah. like we are told daily that private practitioners can never afford to hire us, that, you know, our student debt, uh, we're going to have it forever if we don't go into this other environment and blah, blah, blah. So that was the first, I mean, it was shocking, but then I got a big smile on my face because... The students that become members, I am telling you, man, they are sharp. Mm -hmm. I've done presentations, live presentations prior to the lockdown to these students. And it's real interesting. If the instructor forces the student to sit there and listen to me, I had this happen at Nova. There were 95 people in the room. And when I started lecturing, I was looking at the back of about 85 iPads. Yeah. Or IMAX or yeah. they're on their phone. No yep. attention whatsoever. 
So I told the instructor afterwards, I'm never doing that again. I'll be happy to come back and I'll buy pizza. And so I did a private practice pizza party and had 32 people there at five o'clock that wanted to be there mm-hmm. and thanked me. They stood in line, you know, like a receiving line at a wedding, thanking me, shaking my hand for, I never got to eat my pizza because they just wanted to talk to me. So yeah. here's what I realized, Sonny, is the students now that are becoming a member of the Private Dentist Alliance are, are the players. They're the ones that get it. They're the ones that have not been swayed by a five-star dinner at a five-star hotel in an open bar. And we have some amazing, amazing members here as students, and they're just chomping at the bit to graduate and go into a private practice. Mm -hmm. So that's where we have our dentist match service now with the Private Dentist Alliance. And we will run ads in a member's area. We will do a screening interview of those associate candidates. And we're we're placing, we've we've got a, a member in Detroit we actually placed somebody from California. Uh, they were looking to get out and go into a successful practice in the Midwest. And so that's the power of the private dentist alliance. So that's that's what I've done. And I'll tell you the shift here is membership is now free. There's not gonna be a paid membership ever again, uh, unless somebody wants to volunteer the nonprofit. And by the way, in case I do forget to say it later, I'm gonna say it now myself and the board of directors all private practitioners, all members, paid volunteers, un- unpaid volunteers. No, none of the board of directors, myself, nobody's being paid. This is, this is a, a mission of passion and purpose to preserve and expand the private practice of dentistry. So the way I pay my bills now is through the strategic partners who are actually paying to be part of this group and paying to help the private practitioner. And I just want to go through each of them because we we wouldn't be here today and able to pay my bills. Uh, We've got uh, Bank of America. Uh, They are supporting the private, uh, the the PDA, the (laughs) Private Dentist Alliance. Uh, They give, we have one agent, one rep that we work for. PDA has our own rep. And I'm here to tell you, if you're looking for a loan and you're talking to Bank of America, you need to contact PDA. Your local Bank of America does not even know the Dental Practice Solutions Division at Bank of America out of Columbus even exists. So Bank of America is backing us up. We've got Alfion Patient Financing. Alfion was started by Executives Who Left Care Credit and Lending Club. So <clears throat> they are definitely beating those rates. <clears throat> We've got the uh, Cirrus Consulting Group out of Toronto. They don't do practice management consulting. They do lease negotiations. They've negotiated over 10,000 leases for dentists in the United States and Canada. If Uh you have a lease, you need to contact Cirrus and make sure there are so many landmines in a lease, it's scary. We have the uh, Five Lakes Practice Solutions, which is out of Cleveland. They are the group that does the PPO renegotiation. They've got spreadsheets. They will plan out for you which PPOs to drop first and when you can do it. It's all very mathematical, very logical. Uh, We've got uh, dental practice CFO, Mr. Wes Reed out of San Diego. Uh, He does more than accounting. He does actually helps you with your financial management, your investing, how to be profitable. If you wanna have a 401k, how to do that. He has 250 dentists that he works with. 
We have Express Marketing Solutions out of Washington, D.C., who helps with all the print, advertising, anything print, your website, all of that they mm -hmm. help with. We have a company called Dentometrics. Uh, Mr. Brock Grineau has helped uh, the Alliance with some of our own marketing, and he does Facebook advertising and search engine optimization. And <clears throat> we have uh, Patient Concierge. That's our membership uh, provider to help you with your patient loyalty program. And we also have uh, Mr. Frank Recker, who is uh, a dentist and an attorney. Uh, many people probably heard that name. He serves on boards for uh, different implant uh, organizations and such. And uh, Frank will defend a dentist against any uh, untoward attack. And we also have within the Alliance then our own group health program. We have our own group health broker to work with and we have our dentist matching service. So those are the strategic partners that we have aligned and you can't just pay money to become a strategic partner. You have to fill out an application. You have to give us three private practices that endorse you, that you've worked with, and you have to be approved by the board of directors. So I'm putting together here an alliance of practitioners and an alliance of vendors who have sympathy for the private practice and want to help us really, really draw a line in the sand and maintain this practice model. Okay, so I would assume that all that information is on your website, right? Yeah, and so um, I want to time the launch of when you put this podcast up because we have a brand new platform uh, that is a lot different than our website that I am launching. And within the platform is the Knowledge Center. And so if they go to privatedental.org slash join, they will be taken to our new platform. Membership is free. And I've got an introductory video on how to get into the Knowledge Center. Uh, the, the webinar or this, the, uh, the interview that Cole and I did with you is in there. The interview with Dr. Tanzi and Dr. Gracioso is in there. So we have content in the Knowledge Center from members. And we have content in the Knowledge Center from our strategic partner vendors. So privatedental.org slash join. Please send that to me, please, and, and I'll, I'll include it in the show notes so that we have nice. it in writing. Nice. Okay, so fantastic. let's wrap up. I appreciate yeah. it. I, I have one last question I ask everybody yeah. and uh, has nothing to do with dentistry. Uh, <laughs> if you could go and be in any time or place, go somewhere, someplace, in any time, backwards, go backwards. We can't go forwards. Uh, where would you go and why? Wow. That is a real interesting question. Um, my mom turned 80 and she had said for her entire life, she wanted to go to Switzerland. I had never been to Switzerland and my brother and I looked at each other and said, dude, she just turned 80. We got to get her to Switzerland. And I will tell you when I stepped off the train in Zurich, mm -hmm. I'm home. And I don't know what it is. Winter egg is my heritage. I'm I'm five generations of 100% Swiss because my county is is a Swiss county, and so I just looked at my mom and my brother. I'm like, I feel like <coughs> I'm at home. The menu is the same. The food is the same. The country is beautiful. Yep. Uh, I've been to Zermatt and seen the Matterhorn. I've been to Bern and seen the clock tower. 
I've been on the 360 degree restaurant at Jungfrau, Mount Jungfrau. And uh, if I could go anywhere at any time, any time period, I'd go back to Switzerland. The people are fabulous there. They're tremendously friendly. Uh, you don't have to speak German to get around. Uh, you know, the, the children are taught English in school. So I love Switzerland. Um, we befriended uh, the family at a bed and breakfast in Interlaken. Um, I've had them to my house in the U.S. I've been to their house over there. I've been to their. I've been there five times. So Switzerland is my place. So you also have a travel agency, apparently, because that's <laughs> an advertisement for travel. Let's go to Switzerland. Let's go to Switzerland. I can hook you up in Interlaken, three blocks from the train station, and then there, you're there good you to go. go. <laughs> Well, Greg, thank you very much. I appreciate your time and expertise and your passion for helping the private dentist out, quite honestly. So um, I think I suggest everybody check it out. Uh, you know, full disclosure, I am part of that Dentist Alliance. Uh, I don't believe I've taken advantage of listing the job yet, but I can certainly <laughs> we will figure talk. that out, right? So... All right, everybody. Thanks for having me, Sonny. Uh, and thank it. you for what you're doing, man. Carrying the flag yeah. for the fee-for-service dentist. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the fee-for-service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next time.